If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 20, and let's begin reading with verse 28. We want to zero in on the text in verse 32, but we want to begin reading at the 28th verse of Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church and what he wanted to establish. I love, before we read this, the way Paul came to churches to minister and what he ministered and what he wanted them to take away from that ministry that was in their midst. He told the church on another occasion that he was preaching at and teaching in, he said, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift to this end that you might be established. He wanted their faith not in his anointing, in his gifts, but in his God. Can you say man? The word established means to make it one with. He wanted them to know God like he knew God. And he knew God intimately and personally because of Jesus Christ making him available to us and so real to us. I want to impart unto you, this is not the scripture here, but this is at another place that he preached, some spiritual gift, and this is not the charismata. This is something revealed, it's a revelation from the Word of God, that when he left, it would still be producing fruit in their life. To this end, that you might be established, so that you have faith in God. When I talk about what God's done for me and the testimony that He's given me, whether it's the healing of the cancer, which gives courage to others who need help from above, or whether it's the raising up, we just celebrated the 11th of September 2001, the towers, a day that's still living in infamy. It was on the 11th of September three years ago that I was in the back of an ambulance. And they were calling in. I could hear them calling in and saying, we're bringing in what we believe is a victim of a stroke. And they verified it with the MRI and the hospital and all the other things. And to those who have had strokes, I prayed for a man that was 50 years old. And he was a youthful-looking 50-year-old. He's laying in a bed in a nursing home where my 93-year-old dad is, is laying. He's not in the same room. But as I went down the hall, I looked in a room. And there lay a young man. What I consider when you go to a nursing home, you don't think you're going to see a young, youthful-looking 50-year-old. And I went in and talked with him. And I asked him, I thought he was recovering. I thought he was convalescing from something that he needed to go to an intermediate place till he had strength to be on his own. That occurs in some nursing homes. But this nursing home, they, they had mostly people that were very up in years, very highly aged people. And I said, what happened to you? He said, three years ago, he said, I had a stroke. I thought he was recovering from a stroke then. And he said, I, I can use my head, but half of my body from the neck down on the left side is completely useless. I can't stand. I can't bathe. I, I can't move. He would navigate in a wheelchair as I got to know him. He'd do one side and do the other and do one side and do the other. He'd get the nurses to put him in the wheelchair, and that was he's 50 years old. So if you think you've got problems, everybody's got problems. We're in a fallen world in a faulty body. And I said, how long have you been here? And I thought, he's probably been here a month or so. He's probably recovering, and when he has 
vocational training and, uh, and not vocational but physical therapy, then he will be back on his feet and he will function to some degree, maybe with a cane or something, but he will walk again. He said, I've been here three years. He had been there long enough that all hope of anything changing was gone. And you could not only see the crippling of his body, but now the crippling of his mind and the crippling of his soul. I'm going to be in this nursing home with people that are in their 90s. And I'm going to die here. And I'm never going to be able to walk down the aisle of a grocery store. To walk to an automobile and drive somewhere. I'm not going to be able to walk to the bathroom and go to the bathroom by myself. When you're 50 years old and your life hits that kind of a wall, you know, there he was. And it was my honor and my privilege to tell him what happened to me. And my honor and my great privilege. And I'm giving grace the glory and God the glory. Because it's the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't have to be strong to receive grace. In fact, the strong don't qualify for it. Can you say amen? It's people like you and me that I hope you are with me in that. Can you say amen when I'm weak? What? To those of you here today, and I always meet them. I meet them everywhere. I meet people trying to show how strong they are spiritually. And I mark you. I mark you. I say there's someone who is disqualifying for grace. And the only way they're going to be able to make it is by the grace of God. When you come to God, you can't even use your faith to merit the answer from Him. Come on, you can't do it. You can't do it. That's why the blind man that God healed didn't appeal to God's power and show Christ His faith. He appealed to His mercy. Can you say, man, son of David, do what? Have mercy mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. That's why we've got a four we've got four series on our radio broadcast. We couldn't hardly stop it. God the helper of the helpless. Has anybody heard one of those at all? God the helper of the helpless. See, we all want to show God how strong we are and show him how much faith we've got. Come on, the longer I hang out with you, the more I know that you're just like the rest of us. Don't try to be a big shot. You need grace. I need grace. Unmerited favor. Come boldly where? Before the throne of what? Grace. That you might obtain mercy. And then, because you want to know which comes first? There it is. You obtain mercy so He can show you grace. And be gracious to you. No one is healed because they deserve it. No one is healed because they've come to a hyper-faith position and, and God just has to do something for them. They're believing so hard. It's people that know Him and know how to approach Him and know there's only one way for Him to answer a prayer. And that's why when you pray, you say, forgive us our trespasses. Come on, you're appealing to grace. Come on. <laughs> and mercy, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Psalm 61, David is hiding from his son, Absalom, who wants to take his kingdom from him. Kill his daddy to take his kingdom. He's hiding when he wrote Psalm 61 from his own countrymen who are following David to help him take his kingdom by killing his daddy. He's got a military coup going on. There's a, the, the military threat is real. And David knows if they find him, they're going to kill him in short order. Amen. Except God intervened. 
And you know what was hurting David more than the military threat? The threat of discouragement and fear and hurt in his heart that his own son. I said this last week, and I know it's going to resonate again this week. Jesus said, your enemies are going to be up close and personal. There are people, listen, if, if some atheist gets in my face, it'll be like water off a duck's back. It won't bother me at all. I am not trying to be, I'd like to be relevant to atheists. I'd like them to hear what I have to say about God and Jesus. But I'm not trying to get atheists, atheists to be my friend and applaud me. Amen? I'm not trying to get the abortionist to hug me around the neck. Ophra does not want me on her show. Amen? No, she does not. No, no, because I won't go along with that. And there's no way I would get there anyway because I haven't written a book and I don't have the stature. You can't even get on Christian TV no matter how. I don't want on there. Don't get me wrong. I don't need to be on there. There's, two, there's plenty of people on television to take care of all the people watching television. Can, and there must be too many of them because most of them are hurting for funds. And I don't believe God would put them all on there and then make them compete with one another to get enough money to stay on there. And that's why I don't need to be on there. But if Somebody sponsored me and I didn't have to beg. I'd love to be on satellite TV, cable TV, amen, regular air TV on rabbit ears. Praise God. I I, want to preach the gospel to everybody that wants to hear it. But I don't want to compromise in order to do it. And I don't want my intention to be misunderstood. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But but here we are. Here we are in this place. this morning, bringing something from God's Word that I believe is going to help you today if we will get a hold of it and get it down in our heart. Let's get back to grace for just a moment. I can't get away from it. I can't go on. God's got me hooked on it. Praise God. You can't, you can't do it. I've seen Pentecostals try and fail. I've seen Charismatics try to do it and fail. I've seen people that listen to nothing but faith messages try to show God how great their faith is in order to what? Merit the answer. Grace. You can't merit it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you have, nothing you can do to get it or deserve it. You have to receive it the way God grants it freely. You, you have received freely give. When you approach God, we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, full of confidence, because we know where we're coming, to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and grace to help. In the time of any need. Can you say amen? So David says, in this condition, not see the threat wasn't just without. There was a threat within. Don't you think that when his son wants to kill him and his countrymen are following his son to help his son kill his daddy and take the throne? People that he went, you know, he, he thought he had friends. He found out, I'll tell you, you put your trust in man. I don't want to be cynical today, but I want to be seriously spiritual. Amen. He said, it wasn't an enemy that really got to me. He took Goliath down like that. Wasn't nothing to it. No sweat. Can you say amen? But he said, you know what really hurt me? He said, when I had a brother who I thought was my friend, 
And we went up to the temple. We used to go up to the temple and worship together. He said it wasn't an enemy that broke my heart. That really got to me. It wasn't that giant Philistine. Can you say man? It was this person that I trusted. This person that I counted on. This person that I needed affirmation from. Amen. This person that I thought I could count on. When they betrayed me. It broke my heart. It was someone I went up to the temple and worshipped with. The Bible said your enemies are going to be up close and personal. There are people the devil can't use to hurt me. There's no point in it and he's not going to bother with it. I used to park beside a Satanist where I worked when I was bivocational for 12 years. I pulled in beside the Satanist. And he had a big bumper sticker with all the other pentagram and all kinds of stuff, junk on his car. And, and it said on the back of it, oh, by the way, now those of you who say, oh, Brother Venable, oh, you park it, I'd park somewhere else. Why are you going to park somewhere else? If he that's in you is greater than he is the world, why are you running from him? Why don't you quit running from the devil and start standing up for Jesus? Let him park somebody else. Let him be intimidated by me. Because I'm sure not intimidated by Him. Can you say amen? I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded He's able to keep what I've committed unto Him against that day and this day and every day. Can you say, oh, Brother Vimble, don't you believe? Oh, honey, you better get your mind off the devil and get it on Jesus for a change. It ain't helping you and it ain't helping nobody else. And it ain't getting nobody set free. But it's messing you up until you don't have joy, you don't have peace, you don't have power. Because you're thinking about where is the devil hiding? How about your back pocket? Why don't you get rid of him? Can you say amen? You don't give him shelter, he ain't going to have no place to hide. I said, if you don't give him shelter, he ain't going to have no place to hide. Don't give him shelter by glorifying him. Glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and, and, and are immune to that reality and that fact. No, the devils believe and tremble. Can you say man? So I pull my car right in beside his car. <laughs> Hallelujah. That way, when the shift change, he's coming out while I'm coming in. And I made it a point to go over and he had he was into this goth thing too. He wasn't into a God thing. He was into a God thing. And he dressed all in black and had black mascara around his eyes. And, and the job can't discriminate. Of course, we can't, you know. You know, you just live and let give different strokes for different folks. I made it a point to shake his hand. I made it a point to make eye contact with him. He made it a point to try to avoid me. <laughs> he see me coming. I see him start... Going wide. <laughs> Amen. He'd go wide, I'd go wide. Why'd you do that, Brother Venable? I didn't do it to aggravate him. I did it to prove a point. Come on, I'm not intimidated by your master. I love it when T.L. Lowry went down to preach in Africa. And there was a woman there. And she was into to, to voodoo and witchcraft and the occult and all that stuff. And she was known as that spiritual... Uh, uh, spiritual 
person who had influence over them. And he knew, I'm going to preach the gospel and this woman is going to try to keep them from hearing the gospel. So when before they opened up the meeting, they had prayer. And he said, I want to go to this woman who everybody said, this woman has the power. This woman can, you take your children to her when they're sick. You, If you want somebody killed, you get a spell from her to put on them. Take me to this woman. Take me to this woman. Take me to this woman. I want to have a word with her. And so they took him to where she lived. Thatched hut. All of the stuff hanging. All of her stuff to make incantations with and sell people. And he said he walked up to her and looked her in the eye. And he said, Mama. Because they all called her Mama something or another. He said, Mama. I am a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And mama, while I'm here, my master defeated your master 2,000 years ago at the cross. And mama, make no mistake about it. While I am here, I am the boss and not you. Oh, I love boldness. Come boldly. If you're going to come at all, come with confidence that God is going to welcome you and receive you and that He's boss. Can you say amen? I got I got I tell this so many times. About the guy that, it wasn't that meeting, it was in another meeting with another evangelist that his daddy was the witch doctor. And he was being trained to step into his daddy's shoes. And he came to the meeting. Oh, by the way, people said in that meeting where he said, I'm boss, and it's happened in other meetings. They could see demons God opened the eyes of some people. They saw demons running around that big gospel tent on the outside. They were running around. But they couldn't come inside. They couldn't come. Number one, they didn't have no invitation. There was no RSVT or whatever it is. Can you? Instead of RSVP, they said R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Can you say, man, we better respect their God. We better respect this Christ. We better honor this person because they're coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, hallelujah. So he got in a meeting and thought all the power there was was vested in the occult. That's where the power was. No power in church, preaching, the Bible, Christ, 2,000 years ago, history lesson on what He used to do, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Dead church, dead Christians, dead faith. Dead! Hopeless! Helpless! Compare yourself to the world, no difference. They're depressed, we're depressed. They're oppressed, we're oppressed. They're defeated, we're defeated. They're discouraged, we're discouraged. We match. But the Bible says of them, they're without God and without hope. When we fit that bill, 
when we fit that bill and we're discouraged and we're depressed, there's nothing wrong with getting discouraged. We all get there. There's something desperately wrong in staying there and being satisfied there and living there and justifying being there. Brother Vimble, you don't know what I'm facing. I'm going to tell you something that's going to hurt, but it's going to help at the same time. It doesn't make any difference what you are facing. What makes the difference is who you are trusting. Can you say, man, the trust in man bringeth what? A trap, a snare. Because you will lean to that arm of flesh instead of look to the one that said there's nothing impossible with me. With men, it is what? Impossible. But with God... With God, that's why Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, Thou hast made heaven and earth by what? By Thine outstretched hand, and there is nothing too hard for Thee. The arm of flesh bringeth a snare. Why? What is the trap in it? Because they will become more influential to you than God's Word and God's person. And you will look to them and when they fail you, and they will. They will. Their feet are clay. If we don't get back to grace, if we don't get back to humility, if we don't try, quit trying to flaunt our gifts and our spirituality, and we don't start coming boldly, but humbly, because if you're coming boldly to obtain mercy, you can't bring any merit with you. And to get rid of what you think merits the answer to you, your great faith or your great favor. And you are greatly favored and you can have great faith. Look, can I define great faith to you? Only one person said, I'm going to do it anyhow. There's only two times in this Bible in the New Covenant that Jesus said, great is your faith. Only twice. One time is when a woman had a daughter laying home vexed of the devil, needing deliverance. She is not a Jew. She's not Abraham's seed. She has no covenant to claim. And when she approached Jesus, he said, It's not meat to take the children's bread. First time he just ignored her, just blew her off. She kept coming. He said, it's not meat to take the children's bread. If she was daughter of Abraham, son of Abraham, she could claim a covenant right. She has no covenant right to claim. But she has faith that honored him. And that he respected enough to make this statement. Amen. A third time he resisted her, rejected her, and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And she said, True, Lord, but even the dog. She wor- Oh, wait, wait, wait. i got to back up. She worshipped him, saying. The abundance of the heart. Come on, she worshipped him. Come on, she worshipped him, saying. She worshipped him, saying. She worshipped him, saying. She worshipped him, saying. Truth, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, woman! Is there humility here? Is there any merit? Is she very spiritual? Has she got all kinds of gifts and visions and dreams? No, she has nothing to show God about how much she deserves this. In fact, he told her, you don't even have a covenant to claim. 
But she worshiped him. She humbled herself. Everybody say humility. Boy, is it lacking. People get a few gifts. God visits them, shows them a few things, and the humility is gone. All of that humility is out the window. Then they're going to tell you they won't listen to a thing you've got to say. They're only going to tell you. And everybody in here needs to listen to what God has to say. You need to be more willing to hear than to speak. So if you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to say when the service is over, keep it to yourself. Because that's probably the only person that can appreciate it. Can you say man? The rest of us out here need grace. The rest of us need mercy. The rest of us need to do business with God. The rest of us need help from above. Can you say man? The rest of us desperately need God to help us in our life and in the time of trouble. And we want to know how David got help from above. We want to know what he prayed. Great is thy faith. Go thy way. As thy faith be, so be it unto you is essentially what he was saying. And from that selfsame hour, her daughter was set free. Great faith. Does that sound like what we'd parade as great faith? Everybody say humble dependency. Humble dependency. Is that what? No, no. People get a little bit of faith, a little bit of favor from God, a little bit of revelation. And they lose humble. Humility's gone. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. who, Though he thought it not... Listen, I hope you don't put yourself on that level. He was God incarnate. And he thought it not, therefore, robbery to be called equal with God. Emmanuel, God with us. And yet he humbled himself. Everybody say he humbled himself. Let this mind be, not the mind that somebody's trying to, listen, behind the pride of self-sufficiency is a devil wanting you to trust in flesh and the arm of flesh and to walk in pride. And what does God do with pride? How does he react to it and respond to it? That's why the Bible said don't rejoice when your enemy falls. Why? Because pride will rise up and say, see, God got you. I'm glad he got you. Well, why don't you just go ahead and go all the way and call fire out of heaven to everybody that don't receive you. Like the lady that came to me, a lady pastor. She, came, she called me on the phone. She was tore up from the flow up. Because she went to a church. God moved upon her. She stood up and gave a prophecy to that church. Nobody moved. Nobody listened. Nobody responded. And I'm going to tell you what your flesh will do. Because I know my flesh. And you've got the same suit on flesh-wise as me. You've got a flesh suit on. You live in a bone bag. Just like my bone bag. That's all it is, a place to hold your spirit. And it ain't very strong. Look at your picture 20 years ago and you'll tell you something about your bone bag. It's aging. Getting a little ragged around the edges. Praise God. You say, brother, oh, that's a little thing. Well, let me tell you about the little things. If David hadn't slain the lion and the bear, he would have absolutely never had faith to take on that giant. But David's testimony was, I have used my faith and seen God come through. I've slain the lion. I've slain the bear. Listen, what's in his heart does what? Comes out his mouth. Now, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of the living 
God, I want to get you back. I want to get God's people back to a place of humility, of humble dependency on God. I want to get rid of the show outs. Amen. People who want to be seen and want to be put on a pedestal and want to get men's applause. Listen, Jesus humbled himself. If he could do that being equal with God, can you say amen? Let this mind, let this mind. Oh, I've seen such crazy stuff in the the name of his mind oh i'm so crazy because why why are you so crazy why are you so why are you so misguided why are you so messed up well i've lost my mind and got the mind of christ well he ain't messed up and he ain't messing nobody else up can you say man and he's not full of pride and arrogance and when they wanted to just see him as a faith healer he, he healed people he cast out a devil and said don't tell nobody about it Amen. Because they're going to run out here wanting miracles. They're not going to come to me for the right reason. In another occasion, he said, he said, only reason you're out here is for the, you, you heard about the bread and wine being multiplied. You come for the feast that I can make out of nothing. Can you say, man, you're coming for the wrong reason. Amen. People are wanting people to respect them for the wrong reason. Why don't you want people to follow you as you follow Jesus Christ? And if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you've got to get another mindset. And it has to be off of you and off of what people think of you. And it's got to be about Him and what He's like. And you want to be like Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Be ye imitators of God as dear children, followers. Greek word is imitator. And walk in love even as He walked. Though He thought it not robbery to be called equal with God. He humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Therefore, do you see the principle? Humility. Everything is to the edifying of the body, and that's why the gifts work perfect through Christ. And that's why they were all messed up at the Corinthian church. Three prophets trying to prophesy at one time. Why? Because not one of them was going to give ground. I'm going to get noticed today. Wait till they get a load of me. Can you say, every time I do that, I see Jack Nicholson, right? In the Batman movie. When they zoom in on him, and he's got that makeup on and that big weird grin clownish looking he said wait till they get a load of me amen there are christians that just want us to get a load of them honey i'm gonna tell you you can't do me like jesus i'm sorry ain't no gift you got no anointing you got no faith you got that's better than jesus to me when i get up in the morning give me jesus don't give me some self-exalting christian who wants to be seen and heard and applauded and put on a pedestal give me jesus can you say man give me a follower of jesus can you say man he humbled himself humbled yourself here's the principle that jesus was practicing amen that he leads us in humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and what happens he will exalt you when when i think i'm worthy i'm i'm i we had a lady leave our church and i gotta hurry but she left our church she's gonna go and take on the world she's gonna go on and Wait till they get a load of me was her attitude. She couldn't stand it anymore to be in a little church like our church because it's not big enough for the likes of me. The devil tried to put that in me. 
with a compliment. Don't get me wrong. I love them and I need them. But I never want to think of myself higher than I ought. There's one thing I declare here. I am the pastor. I may not be as spiritual as you, but he didn't pick you, darling. He picked me. Can you say man? I may not know as much scripture as you, but he didn't pick you. He picked me. Can you say man? I might not be able, amen, to, to see all that you see in the Spirit, but he picked me, not you. So if you've got a problem with that, tell him he don't know what he's doing. You should have picked me. Hello? Is that fair enough? I'm responsible for you. If I drove a school bus, my wife said, I hope you never drive a school bus. Because I'll have to bail you out of jail. Sure as shoot. You know why? One of those teenagers ought to know better get in my face. Spit in my face and cuss me and then touch me while I'm on fire like that. I would try to hold it back. I may succeed. I may not succeed. So I just better stay off the school bus. Amen? He would say, oh, Brother Vimmer, you're going to be our pastor? And say, yeah, I'm a human being. you got an actual human being for a pastor that God appointed and God anointed. But I'm 100% human. Amen? And I will try to turn the other cheek. But after that, (laughs) is that all you got? Is that your best shot? Okay. I gave you one. Better knock me unconscious. Because if you can knock me down, I'll get up. I've been knocked down before, got up. Blood all coming out my nose and all that nonsense. I got up and jumped like a frog. Guy hit my friend when we played football. Feeling froggy jump. That's what we used to say. Feeling froggy jump. <laughs> Guy hit my friend. I mean, he socked him. He socked him. He socked him. In a football, he socked him. He's my friend. He's, uh, he's this tall. He's a tackle. I'm a guard. I'm the smallest man on the line. But he socked my friend. And boy, it got, see, I wasn't saved then. How many remember before you got saved? Boy, I'm glad I didn't meet you before you got I'm so glad you got saved. I saw it in somebody's eyes. Just then, said, yeah, you should have seen me then. Boy, I'd get you. I'd get you. He sucked my friend. I jumped up and I shoved him. I took my helmet off. I should have kept my helmet on. <laughs> I took my helmet off and I threw it down on the ground. And I shoved this big bad boy. And I said, I said if you want to fight somebody, fight me. And boy, he hit me. I said, hit. he hit me. Boy, he jacked my jaw, and I saw what you see in the funny book when somebody gets hit. All them little blinking lights like flash bulbs going off and on. And you know what I did? I thought, now I'm ashamed. I'm going to be, I got to do something about this. So I jumped on him to grab him so he couldn't hit me, and I jumped on him because I knew this is in the middle of a football game, and they're going to pull me off before he can hurt me again. <laughs> Before he can hit me again, they're going to pull me off. <laughs> and sure enough, here come about five of them pulling me off. <laughs> and you know what? To cover up, I said, turn me loose. Let me go. And in my heart, I was saying, hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> don't let me go. I don't want no more. <laughs> they thought, boy, that's a bad man right there. He jumped on that big man. That big man knocked him down. He'd get up and jump right back on him. 
I wasn't no bad man. I was a bad loser. Can you say amen? Pride will make you do things that you wish you hadn't done. Oh, yeah. Pride. Pride will make you do things. Pride made an angel a devil. When it rises up in us, we need to cast it down quick. Can you say, man, the gifts were corrupted. The gifts were corrupted at Corinth. The legitimate gifts of God were corrupted at Corinth. You can read about it. Amen. Paul went down there and found a Pentecostal mess because of pride. Three people started to prophesy. Nobody would give way. They all three brought it at the same time because if, she, if he's bringing one and she's bringing one and I'm bringing one, let them back down. Mine's more important than theirs. Is that what he said? Is that what Paul said to them? Let it be in course and take turns. And if you just got to talk in tongues, make sure there's someone there to interpret so that it's not useless and confusing. Bring a message. Because if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, Israel knew exactly what that meant because there was a trumpet sound that meant assemble. There's a trumpet sound that meant go on and disperse. There's a trumpet sound that meant an announcement's going to be made. There's a trumpet sound to go to battle. And they knew the distinct sound of the trumpet. And he said, but if it doesn't give a specific, clear sound, nobody knows what to do or what God wants them to do. Amen? Amen. See, Pentecost has got corrupted by pride. I can't leave until they get a load of me. If they don't see me, I'm not satisfied. If they don't applaud me, I'm not satisfied. If the spotlight doesn't fall on me at some point, I'm unhappy and unfulfilled. And yet Jesus humbled Himself and made of Himself no reputation. That's why the Bible said to combat pride, don't speak well of yourself. I'm telling on myself about pride and where it will take you. Let others speak well of you. See, pride won't wait. Pride can't wait. Pride's going to have it. You're going to respect me. See, if you have to demand respect, you probably don't deserve respect. Amen? I'm not talking about your job or your office. I'm just talking about your personal character and the way you conduct yourself. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ the Lord who made of himself no reputation, but humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and became obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore, 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 God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name that's named of things in heaven and earth and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. God will exalt you in due season when you humble yourself. The proud preachers, the proud preachers will not receive correction. 
They will not receive correction from God. They will not receive it from man. They fall into temptation and to sin. And as one said, I had good men around me that I could have went to and confessed my temptations and my weaknesses to. But I did not. Because I'm the leader. I'm the one that everybody's buying the tapes from. I have the study Bibles. I have the commentaries. I have the anointing. God resists the proud. But He gives what to the humble? He gives what to the humble? And what is sufficient for our weakness? Grace. But the only people who qualify for it is people that are humble and will admit their need. And we want to be like the powerful people we see instead of being like Jesus. And we're following the personalities of preachers instead of the person of Christ. And we lose our humility. And then no one can teach us. Amen? So Paul went to a church that everybody wanted to be seen and heard. There was no servant heart. It wasn't good for the building up of the body. It was for the personal edification. And he said, you talk in tongues. I'm not attacking tongues in church. I'm saying the way you're using tongues is sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. See, when pride gets in it, God's out of it. Come on, when pride gets in it, God's out of it. God is not the author of the confusion that was in that church. But there is an author of it. And pride opens the door because you're on His ground. I'm on His ground. That's why there's little repentance in, out of Christians that need to repent this morning. You know why many people in this room will not repent of pride? Because pride won't let you. Because if someone saw you repenting, they wouldn't hold you in such high esteem as you think you should be held. Honey, if I were you... And God resists the proud, I'd lay that down this morning. I wouldn't take it out that door. I wouldn't seek to be seen and heard. I would seek to follow Christ. Hallelujah. And get my need met. And get my peace and my joy back. Can you say man? And get, Oh, come on. That's what I would... See, I'm not you. But if I were you... So what do you do with a church like that? Oh, they're all spiritual. No, they're not. And then we get our personal favorite preachers. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. Paul was mighty in his letters. Apollos was mighty in word. Miracles attended their ministries. And Paul, when they started saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, he said, You think you're spiritual? Because you're identifying with the person God is using instead of the person that God sent, Jesus Christ. He said, you're carnal. And you walk like men. Mere men is the actual Greek. There's nothing spiritual about you. You're a fan of that preacher. And by the way, when people become a fan of the preacher, it don't matter what they do anymore. They can violate Scripture. They can live a life of compromise. But as long as they come out and prophesy to them what they want to hear. They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
Honey, I have a higher standard. If you're going to preach to me, you're going to live right. If you're going to preach to me, you're going to walk right. If you're going to preach to me, you're going to talk right. Can you say, man, or you're not going to preach to me. I don't care how many people fall out when you touch them. I'm not talking, I'm talking about following Jesus now. I can't follow you and you unless you follow Christ. And I will not follow you unless you are trying with every fiber of your being to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not following you because of the fish and loaves or the falling out of the prophecies I'm following you because you've humbled yourself and you're walking as he walked and when you stumble you admit it and confess and you get up and follow him pride tainted the gifts there's no love for people self love is where pride comes from Men will be lovers of their own selves. Proud. Boasters. Truce breakers. Pride will not come under authority. Pride will give you a spirit that cannot be taught. Because pride will always have you wanting to teach. And the first lesson you need to teach somebody is humility. Until your pride has gone, you can't teach humility. Because you can't demonstrate humility. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him. You see, the people that walked in pride for years covered their sin. Their sin is not being concealed any longer. It's coming out. The so-called prophet in Atlanta that had a church of 10,000 and slept with his brother's wife. His brother's wife had a child. You know, when you sleep together, it's possible children are going to come along. And finally, through the DNA test, it was proved that this child was from that brother, not the one she's married to. And that brother just happened to be the head honcho prophet of the land. That tens of thousands hung on his every word. Be sure your sin will find you out. But I'll guarantee you that person in that position because of pride would never get down on his face before God and cry out for deliverance from his temptation and his weak flesh and his sin because he's in too high an office to do that. Can you say, man, when, oh, come on, we put, we've, listen, respect somebody that follows Jesus, but quit putting preachers on pedestals. That's not where they belong. There's a throne and only one person can sit on it. And it's not brother so-and-so, bishop so-and-so, or brother so-and-so. Amen. It's Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Hallelujah. When you're on your back and nobody can help you and you know that it's only God can help you. There's no place. There's no room for pride that's why when I was on the floor naked and I couldn't put my clothes on and I could hardly talk and I could hardly breathe and I could barely move the first thing that came to my mind was I thought that an offense had been thoroughly forgiven because I prayed it But somewhere in the dark recesses of my heart, there was something there. And instead of me saying, Lord, I'm trusting you. God, deliver me. I'm binding the devil. Death, you can't take me. No! 
You know what the Holy Spirit led me to pray? And listen, if you don't get rid of pride, He can't lead you to pray like this in those times. He can't do it. Or any other time. I said, Lord, and I called that person by name that hurt me so bad and made me so mad. I said, Lord, I forgive them. In other words, you resist the proud. I want to make sure pride isn't keeping my need from being met. And immediately, without any further praying, travailing, or anything else, peace like a river swept over my soul. And I said, Lord, pride is your enemy. It ought to be my enemy. Can you say, man, pride is subtle. It made an angel, a devil, that was lifted up by reason of thy what? Thy beauty, pride, entered the heart of a pure angel that ministered in the presence of God. But by reason of his beauty, he was lifted up. And Paul was in danger of being lifted up, not because of his beauty, but because of his spirituality and his revelations. Come on, listen, when God gives you a revelation, look for pride to come right along in with it. And say, boy, you don't got it, you don't got it, he don't got it, she don't got it, but I got it. Amen? What says that? What would say that in us? Pride. And what does God do with pride? He resists it. What does the devil do with pride? He looks at it like a welcome mat. Because that's not of God. Because he humbled himself, made of himself no reputation. It's like a welcome mat to the devil. Come on in. Come on in and blind me some more. Come on in and bind me some more. Till I can see everybody's fault in the building. But I can't see mine. I know, I know how better the church would be if the preacher would just do this. If he'd just do that. He ain't your leader no more. You're wanting to lead. Amen? Get a storefront. Come on. Go rent one. I challenge you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Go rent a storefront. Open the door. And show the whole world how spiritual you are. Step into the shoes of responsibility for the souls of men and women. Tell them everything you know and see how many people come back to pay the rent. Come on. A lot of people do that. They just got a guy the other day. He was a bishop somewhere. He works for Coles or Moss Brothers, one of the big, big chain stores with the fancy stuff. He's got two cohorts, and they're, they're taking truckloads of stuff and emptying them into a warehouse. And they caught him at a warehouse full of stolen goods. Wow. But he ain't no pastor, for heaven's sakes, that lowly title of shepherd. What was Jesus called? The good exalted bishop. No, he was called the good shepherd. Was he not? Was he not? Why do we seek titles? Why do we always have to title that lifts us above so we can look down? I had a guy come to our church and I got a close, but boy, I want to get this out because I, I don't want any resistance from God when I pray. And when you have a need, I want God to come through. Can you say, man, I want the weakest of you to feel strong when you walk out of here today? Can you say, man, how, and I want the strong ones of you, amen, to fess up and cast that thing down. 
cast that thing down. Hallelujah. So you're not sounding brass and tinkling cymbal when you talk in tongues. So that you're a gentleman when God uses you or a gentle lady when God uses you in a gift of the Spirit. So that you don't interrupt a service to draw attention to yourself. Can you say, man, when the attention is supposed to be on Jesus? Listen, we teach children. We teach little children. Five years old. Pastors pray and you don't show out. And yet there's people decades old that still don't get it. Still don't get it. And some people, and listen, if I went to a church where there was no order and there's no fireman to put out the strange fire, I'd get out of it as quick as I could. Because we're not here for everybody to do their thing. We're here to hear from God. And we're here to follow the leader. And the leader is Jesus Christ. And I'm only here as a follower of Jesus Christ to say to you, follow me as I follow Him. Can you say amen? Listen to me carefully. I've been in this thing too many years to play church or to give ground to the devil or to let pride grow when it ought to be plucked up and cast down. So when you come, before you get a revelation of anything else, get a revelation of yourself. Anoint your eyes have, your eyes with eyes have that you can see. See what? See what's wrong with me and everybody else? No, see what's wrong with you. Because you're not qualified to mess with nobody until you get rid of pride, humble yourself, and deal with what's wrong with you. Don't try to cast the piece of dust, the moat. Everybody say piece of dust. You ever got a piece of dust in your eye or grain or sand and it's irritating? And somebody comes along with a handkerchief and they're coming along to do what? They're coming along to... Just touch the corner of your eye and have it, because it's, listen, it's very tender. It's very tender. You touch the corner of the eye and let it stick to that and you pull it out. And honey, if I was going to try to get some dust out of your eye, you know the first thing I'd have to do? And I'm not qualified biblically to do anything until I get the, not just get my glasses so I can see clearly. No, get the beam. Everybody say supporting joist. Honey, that's a big, come on. That's a, that's a tall order. First cast the what? The supporting joist, the beam that holds up the rafters. Get it out of your own eye. Then you won't even need glasses. You'll get 20-20 spiritual vision. You'll also come with humility and mercy considering yourself, lest you be tempted. You do not speak condescendingly. Amen. And you reach in, you touch it, you pull that out. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you say, except for the grace of God. That could be me in that mess. That could be me in that fix. I'm not above it. It's only God's grace that is keeping me from it. Can you say amen? Poor preacher didn't even believe what he preached. 
Didn't he believe what he preached? Bless his heart, he's gone, he's dead. There's a place called Madison. What's the, what's the website? Come on, I'm not going to, it's not a trick. I don't know where it is, I haven't been there. But it's where people are looking for affairs. Can find other people looking for affairs. And it's a free site, it's very secure. So nobody's going to know you've been there. But there's 400 preachers that somebody hacked it. Said if you don't shut it down, probably some mad woman that her husband's been going there to hook up. 400 preachers. And they're not all done out of there. They just hacked it, so they're just letting all this out. So a Baptist preacher in New Orleans, who was also a professor of theology at New Orleans Baptist Bible College, prestigious Bible College. He has a beautiful wife. He has beautiful children that are grown. But his name was on the list. I'm not lambasting him. I'm saying in his weakness, he went there. Somebody hacked there and all the names that went there is now coming out of there. And he knew, I'm going to hurt my wife. I'm going to hurt my children. I won't have a job at a Baptist seminary anymore. See, you can't just have correct theology. You can't just know Scripture. You've got to follow Jesus. And you can't do it with the pride of your accomplishments, the pride of your position. You've got to get down before God when you're tempted and say, Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Go to somebody. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You can't stand in pride. You've got to humble yourself. And if you do, God will help you and God will forgive you and God will restore you. But he can't do it till the pride is gone. And the pride wouldn't let him do it. So a grace preacher preaching forgiveness didn't feel like grace would work for him or forgiveness could come to him. So he killed himself. He committed suicide. Professor at a theological seminary. Pastor of Southern Baptist Church. Grace. Would God have forgiven him? Did God forgive Peter? Did he obtain mercy and grace? Did he humble himself that even when they went to kill him, he said, I'm not even worthy with all of his miracles and all the blessings of apostleship. He said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified right side up. Turn my cross upside down. And we're still, we're still, we haven't learned the lesson because the devil is devious and he's, he's, he's insidious. He gets in through the door of pride and he puffs up the flesh. And Paul said, lest I be what? Lifted up above measure because of what? The many revelations God has given me. There was given me something to balance that, to keep me humble and dependent on God. Can you say, man, I received an emissary from Satan to buffet me. I prayed three times and God said no three times. And then when God did answer, He said, my strength is perfected in weakness. Weakness means you have to depend on grace and not your goodness. Grace and not your powerfulness. Grace and not your anointing. Grace and not your revelation grace and his grace is what sufficient Sufficient. for my strength is perfected in weakness it shows up best in weak people that know they're weak and don't claim anything else but they claim help from above and they receive it can you say man 
Halaba Koronda da Basitia, Kalaba Satana da Masatai. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, I'm so glad for the grace of God today. Hallelujah. 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 I've got to close. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the congregation of the north. Pride entered into the heart of an archangel whose name represented nothing but purity and holiness. Lucifer is not a bad name till pride entered that angel's heart. He was an archangel. He walked among the coals of God that are in the throne room of God in the presence and person of God Himself. He was that anointed cherub. And Lucifer means light bearer. And what darkened the soul of the light bearer? What sin darkened his soul until he couldn't stand? He would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven anymore. He wanted to be where God was because he reckoned that he deserved to be on that plane. The hyperfaith message will make you think of yourself as a little God. You're not a little God, big God, big G, little G. You're, you're not divine. He's divine and you're the branch. And apart from Him, what can you do? What can you do? What can I do? Nothing. What could that bishop do that had all of this spirituality? Amen. Without the grace of God, he gave in to temptation. He tried to conceal it. But after all of these years, be sure. Be sure. Your sin, my sin, it'll find us out if it's not made public for the world to see. We're going to find it out when we go to God in prayer and we can't get an answer. Because we're too proud to deal with our own life. I don't know about you, but I need answers too bad. I love you, but I'm not going to try to figure out what's wrong with Mike today. Amen? I'm not going to try to figure out what's wrong with you today. I, I hope nothing is. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. Amen. I want to figure out what I need today. Because when I deal with God, it's not me and you and Him. It's me and Him. You may think of me that I'm holy and pure. And if anybody deserves an answer, it's Brother Venable. It's not what you think of me. It's about what God knows about me. Can you say, man, I'm not, it's, you, 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 you can't hinder it if you think I'm the rottenest thing. One man called me a Jim Jones and a, a lady called me a, a, what did she call me, an old serpent spirit. Oh, I've had it all. I've had the applause to try to lift me up and I've had all kinds of junk try to tear me down. Amen. Oh, the devil will feed you to lift you up. Lady from Africa who was a missionary to Africa and she was Afrikaner. She came up after a Holy Ghost service we had in Sulphur Springs. And she came up, and I mean, we had people laying like cordwood all over the place, fall out in the Spirit. Praise God. God had moved. Some people got saved. and The Holy Ghost was moving. She came up to me, took me by the hand, looked me in the eye, and she said, Sir, can I ask you a question? I said, Yes, ma'am, you can. And I was under the anointing. Boy, I was ready for anything. I was loaded for bear. She said, You don't belong here. 
I said, what? He said, you don't belong here. He said, the nations of the world needs to hear your message. And I could feel it on the inside of me. Come on, you can feel it, man. Come on, you can feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie, get a load of me. Can you say, man? Yeah, I don't need to be in some little church on the corner. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Man, I felt it coming up. Thought my button going to fly off and hit somebody. Yeah. Pride coming, you put an eye out. Can you say, man? Pride, I feel it. Listen, if you get sensitive, God will slap you down. Come on. Come on. And, he, and if He don't do it, He's going to let you run your route. And worst thing He's doing, not bother you at all, unless you go on in that big self-exalted prideful position till you need an answer from Him and you can't get it. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to get my attention. It just so happened before she said that, God had got my attention. And I was watching for pride. And it rose up and I put it back down. (laughs) And I said, Lord, after that service, I'll go anywhere in the world that you open the door. I'll preach on television, radio, in the street, on the housetop. But I ain't going nowhere unless you tell me to. Because I have no other ambition but pleasing you. And if pleasing you is preaching right here, that's where I'm going to be next Sunday. Hallelujah. And I felt peace. And I felt joy. And I don't know. I believe there's preachers with 10,000 people this morning that don't feel as good as I do right now. Because I'm where God wants me. And I don't have to have a big name. And I don't have to have fame. Can you say, man, all I have to do is know I'm pleasing Him where I'm supposed to be. And when I pray, God is going to hear me. And God is going to answer. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 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 The Apostle Paul said in closing, Whatever I am, whatever you see that God has done in me, I am what I am. Say it with me in Papa. I am what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. Make no mistake about it. The only thing supporting me, sustaining me is the grace of God. All the power... And all of the anointing and revelation, it's all because of the grace of God. So by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said, because of grace in that same chapter, though I labored in my labors, he he didn't say this in pride, but in fact, I labored more than the rest of the apostles, more than they all. My labors have accumulated and accomplished more than any of the rest of them. And yet it is not I, but grace. Isn't that incredible? It's not I, but grace. How did the the great pioneers of the faith with such anointing, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, how did they fall? How did the mighty fall with gifts and healings? How did they fall? When you look at their lives... Pride entered. Pride entered because man put them in a place they should have never put them. Why don't we have them today? Because man will follow them instead of him. One man said, great healing ministry. The Pentecostal evangel was the paper of the day for Pentecostals. 
go and measure his tent. He just said he had the biggest gospel tent in the world. What made him say he had the biggest gospel tent? People being healed, delivered, set free, and coming to Jesus. What does the size of the tent matter? What would make any man see say that? What made him that blind? What made him that stupid? Pride. He can't say that. I know my tent's bigger. Who cares? Your labor's with God to get the harvest in, to get people set free, to exalt Jesus. He's not... If he's not for, if he's not against us, he's for us. They should be brothers in arms, urging each other on instead of competing for the biggest tent. Who cares? How could anyone with such an anointing? Because we can't handle the praise of men. What kept people from coming to Christ when they knew he was the Messiah? Said when they knew him, they would not confess him. What does pride do? They love the praise of men. More than the praise of God. They knew him and wouldn't confess him. Because we'll get kicked out of the Sanhedrin. We'll be ostracized from society. And we're used to walking around in our holy robes. And having people look at us. The way they look at people. That they put on pedestals. We won't give it up to identify with him. Pastors don't get on their face before God. They don't get on their face, period. Challenge them on the materialistic gospel. Blab it, grab it. Name it, claim it. You know what you get as a response? And I quote, That's right. We blabbed it and we got it. Bless God. And if you ain't going to sow your seed into this ministry, if you ain't going to make me richer then your poverty is your fault. Your family ain't going to get saved. And you ain't going to get healed. See, the cross is not anything. The blood that was shed to save your children, heal your body, help you when you cry. That's pushed aside. And everything is now based on a financial transaction between you and a rich preacher. I would not want to be on their shoes when they stand before the Holy One that humbled Himself and went to the cross. Can you say, man, because there's a, there's a payday coming. There's an accounting day coming. Can you say, man? Halabasatai, pastor in Atlanta. They, they're talking about it on CNN to the world. What a reproach. He lives in a mansion that... Unbelievable. He's got a wonderful airplane. He don't have to go first class like the rest of us. Coach, forget about it. When you're at that level of faith and prestige... He's asking for $65 million to buy himself another plane. Forget about the starving children. What would Jesus do? You ever seen the little bracelet, WWJD? What do you think Jesus would do if he had $65 million and people are dying all around the world from hunger? What would Jesus do? Oh, you know what he thinks because of pride? You know what he thinks? He thinks Jesus would get that jet because he deserves it. Hallelujah. Our Lord ain't riding around on no donkey. Tell him to go get a donkey. It can't be God. I ain't riding no donkey. Come on, I ain't riding no donkey. You kidding me? Kings don't ride donkeys. This king did. 
You better be glad he did. He humbled himself and rode a donkey. And because he's willing to ride the donkey, he's willing to hang on that cross. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. If he couldn't ride the donkey, he'd have never got on that cross. Make a lie, but he did get on that cross. And I'm so glad he did. And I don't want to follow the rich preacher. I want to follow the humble Nazarene. Can you say amen? By the way, if you ain't willing to ride the donkey, you ain't going to take up no cross either. And if you don't take up a cross, you can't follow Him. All you can do is go to church. And all you can do is try to draw attention to your spirituality. And we're living in the last of the last days. And people need to see Jesus. And they need to hear Jesus. And they need to somebody that wants to be more like Jesus. How many want to be more like Jesus today? How many believe there's room in your life to become more like Him? How many know there's nobody come through that door with any gift or anointing that doesn't need to be more like Him? How many know there's nobody standing in the pulpit preaching to people all over? There's nobody. Billy Graham is... I appreciate it so much. He said, if it wasn't for God's grace and my wife standing by me, I could have never accomplished what I did for God. He said, I believe when I get to heaven, an angel is going to come up to me and say, I know who you are. And he's going to say, you do? And the angel is going to say, yeah, you're Ruth Bell Graham's husband. I appreciated that. You know what else I appreciated when they took him to, to the museum? You know, they already, he said, I feel like they're having my funeral before I'm dead. But he said, it's kind of nice being honored so you can hear it. <laughs> but they have a museum. And he was looking at this museum to his ministry and accomplishments for God. He's looking at all this museum to his legacy as an evangelist to the world and a preacher to kings that counsel with kings. And he looked all over the walls. And he said, there's just one thing. As he talked to those people gathered to honor him. There's just one thing I don't like about this. There's too many pictures of me. And not enough pictures of Jesus on these walls. And they went to work to begin to balance it out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because they said, he don't like that. He don't like that. Because... My accomplishments are the result of grace. And grace is given to the humble. Can you say man? Hallelujah. How many need some grace today from the Lord? Ah, my, if we accomplish this, if we accomplish this, if we accomplish this, oh, me kolaboho sondare basiti andare basataya. Kings have fallen dead in their tracks. You told me about preachers falling dead in pulpits. When that pride gets in, it brings God's judgment. Come on. It's bad enough dealing with the devil that wants to destroy you. You cannot get in a position spiritually where God is obligated by His own word and holiness to resist you. Amen. As long as God is for you. If God be for you, if God can be for you, if He can legitimately be for you, you ain't got nothing to fear. Amen. If you fear God, you need fear no one or nothing else. If God be for us, what happens then? What happens then? It ain't about the devil. It ain't about your enemies. If God can be for you, if you sit thoroughly right with God so God can back you up, 
Hallelujah. He said, if God be for you, who can be against you? Can you say amen? Israel got right with God and they were still afraid of their enemies. He said, that ain't right. That ain't right. You're right with me now. I stand between you and them now. You're talking about the oppressor. Where is the fury of the oppressor? Let him stand forth. In other words, he's going to have to go through me to get to you. Can you say amen? In that case, he's not going to get to you because I'm greater than any of the forces that are coming against you. Can you say amen? It's time the church got right with God and stood up to the devil and got rid of the phony spirituality they put you in focus instead of Christ me in focus instead of Christ so on my face on the floor three years ago not knowing if I was going home or stay here but knowing one thing's for sure it wasn't up to anybody but God. Do you know they didn't do one thing for me at the hospital? It cost $27,000 to tell me there's nothing we can do. The only thing they could do is tell me you had a stroke. They couldn't treat it. They had something they could give me to reverse the initial. But there's a danger because it thins the blood. If it's a bleeding stroke and they don't know it, it'll go ahead and kill you. He said, do you want it? I said, no. So the nurse said, lift your leg. I was able to lift it. She pushed down on it. I pushed back. Ain't supposed to happen, but it was happening. People were praying. God was listening. Grace was flowing. Can you say, man, mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. (laughs) My son's had too many strokes. And he can't hardly move his arm, can't play his guitar, and can't mow his yard. He said, Dad, I feel so bad. Look out the window and see you out there in 95-degree weather mowing your yard. I said, Son, I'm celebrating God's grace and God's healing. Thank God I can mow my yard. I'm 69, feeling fine. Well, almost. I'll be there in January. I'm going to go ahead and claim it because I can't keep it from coming. I'm going to go ahead and try to get used to it. My last 60th is coming up. 69 and feeling fine. No, I don't jump as high as I used to. Amen. But I still jump. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And I know that God is allowing me to be a trophy of His grace. Glory to God. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Never look at me as a product of some great character, some sterling character, some great faith is inside of me. No, there's a good and gracious God that listens when we pray to Him, and He's no respecter of persons. Let me close with this. Psalm 61. David, without, his heart is broken and torn out of him within. The circumstances without. He don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but he knows who holds tomorrow. And when I first read Psalm 61, I thought it was about a brother or a sister or a preacher or a tape encouraging you. Because it sounds that way. He said, when my heart, not if, but when, because it's going to happen to everybody that's human. And everybody lives in a fallen world and everybody has a faulty body. When my heart, when it occurs, it will occur. 
it will occur when my heart is overwhelmed within me. When it happens. When it happens. When it happens. Don't ever try to get into a faith that won't acknowledge it. Get into a humble dependency that says no matter what happens, I've got a God to call on. Can you say man? Hallelujah. When my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. For Thou, O Lord, has been a shelter for me and a refuge from my enemies. Can you say, man? And at first I read it, but then I studied it. And as you study it, you see the Hebrew, you see the context. He's not saying it to somebody because they may or may not be there for you. We need each other, but you can't be totally dependent on somebody else to prop you up. When my heart is overwhelmed within me, it's going to occur. Don't disqualify yourself from help from above. He said directly to God in prayer, God, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. If you want a counterpart of that principle in the New Testament, I'll give it to you quickly as we close. Man brings his demonic son to Jesus who off cast himself into the fire. Brings to the disciples. They prayed over him. Nothing happened. Because they only come by fasting and prayer. They wasn't into that just yet. He was discouraged. He didn't know what to believe now. So he brought his son to Jesus. And Jesus required of him what he requires of us. Faith. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Come on, listen to the humility. Listen to the honesty. The devil will tell you if you can't run with the big dogs, do what? Stay on the porch. God says if you can't run with the big dogs, don't worry about it. I love little dogs too. Come on, I'm serious. I can back it up with the Bible. If you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. God says when you go through the fire, it won't kindle on you because I'm with you. You don't have to stay out of the kitchen. Amen. You just have to keep your eyes and trust in me. When my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. So what did this man say? Listen to the principle. Get it today. It's so important. Because the devil tried to talk you out of trusting God when you are devastated. Oh, trust God anyhow. Pray anyway. Hallelujah. Lean back in His holy arms and say, I'm so glad I got a God like you. Hallelujah. That loves me and understands me and hears my faintest cry and will answer by and by. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. He said, Lord, He said, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe. And He asked God this, asked Christ directly, help thou my unbelief and how did jesus do that how did he do that by answering his prayer then not waiting for his faith to grow not waiting for it to be perfected because the faith was in him his grace and his mercy helped my unbelief and what did jesus do well come back when you get faith come back when you get faith big enough come back when you believe me come back when you get your confession right No, bring him right here and right now. I'm going to set him free. Hallelujah. Sinking in the water. Jesus saved me. Humble dependency. And immediately Jesus did what? He said, can't swim, stay in the boat. No, that's not my Jesus. That's not my, my Jesus. I love the Lord because he what? He heard my cry. 
I heard, no, I don't mean whine. I'm talking about crying out to Him. Amen. I love the Lord because He heard my voice. He heard my prayer. Heard my supplication. Hallelujah. Inclining His ear always to me. He said, if I, if I say, if I cry unto Him, I got His ear. How do you know you got His ear? He said, because I got His heart. How many mothers we have? As we close for the last time. You remember? Do you know the cry of your child when they were five years old and they were spoiled? Because grandma spoiled them and grandpa spoiled them and we spoiled them because we love them so much. And they didn't get their way or what they wanted. And, they, and you know what the response is to that cry? If you don't hush up, I'm going to give you something to cry about. That's what my mama told me. What did your mama tell you? Same thing. All right. (laughs) I'm going to give you. If you don't shut up, I'm going to give you something to cry about. But if your child stepped on a piece of glass, stepped on a nail, and cried, Ah, mama! It's a different cry. It's an entirely different response. I know you're not the kind of mom that says, quit that running. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. Can run into me with a broken leg. You, 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 see, she got it. She got the revelation. Don't be lifted up just because you got it and they didn't. Is it worth staying this long since you come through the rain? How many people willing to humble themselves under the mighty hand? of God and how many people are to let this mind be in you which was in him I want that so bad today I don't want it to matter if people think I'm successful or unsuccessful to think I have to build something big in the eyes of men to please God right now today I'm glad to be where God has allowed me to be today I have spiritual ambition I would love to be preaching to a thousand people but I'm glad to be your pastor it's an honor and I pray that God will bless you and your families in such a way that other people will see it and know that you have God's favor because of his blessing hallelujah and your family will know that God's hand is on you Like my family knows when my son looks out and sees daddy mowing. He knows God did that for my daddy. God did that for my daddy. God did that for my daddy. There's hope for me. Because just look at my dear old daddy out there. Amen. If God can raise him up from what he was, he can certainly touch me. I'm trying to encourage him not to give up on himself or give up on God. For the healing. I'd love him to play that guitar again for Jesus, like he was appointed and anointed to play it. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? By the grace of God I am what I am, and though that I though that I have labored more than they all, yet it's not I. But grace, but grace, but grace. Brother Taylor, I'm so glad I got out of what I was brought up in. That if you could walk right, 
wear the right clothes. Be holy enough, God would hear you. I knew little. They were afraid to tell us about grace. And the people that were overcoming took credit for it. It was my holiness. And that's the first thing that they said after the miracle. Why look upon us is by our power through the anointing or our holiness. This man stands before you. This man is healed for one reason. Because Jesus, through faith in His name, this man was healed. Not our power or our holiness, but the authority of the mighty name of Jesus. That means they didn't take credit. Hallelujah. They gave God the glory that was due Him. Glory to the Lamb. Let's lift Him up. Let's praise Him. And let's get the beam of pride out of our eyes today. Maybe God will use you to truly help somebody. Amen. Let's praise Him.